Hey everyone, we just want to pop on and talk about the service that publishes our podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast and we wanted to explain how we do it. So it's free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor does all the work. They distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else where you listen to podcasts. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So if you want to get started, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Asia Bonilla. And I'm the other host, Charles Sheeland. And we are starting the next series of our podcast, The City of Ember Trilogy by Jean Dupro. Uh, pronunciation? I'm not sure. This is one of my picks. And actually, this is my final book pick for our section on dystopias. And like the Giver Quartet, I'd actually read, I've actually read the first half of this series before, but never the second half. If memory serves, I think I got halfway through book two and then I stopped. I'm not sure why or if that's true. I guess we'll find out if I know any of what happens in book two. But I think that's about as far as I got. So it's primarily a reread for you and a new series completely to me. And for anyone who is new to the show, we're a podcast on the Nerd Party Network. We're best friends, and we read and reread young adult books from our adolescents and share them with each other. And I want to give a little more context about the series. We're going to try to be better at this, just introducing the series a little more. So the first book was published in 2003, and the other books were published subsequently, obviously. And it's a trilogy. There's also a prequel novel, though we'll just read the trilogy on the podcast. And the book has always been pretty popular for young adult children dystopian literature, and it got a Mark Twain Award. And it's frequently compared and sort of lumped in with The Giver, actually, and Gathering Blue, you know, by critics, um, because it's sort of for a similar age demographic and sort of similar content. And we've actually read, obviously, The Giver and Gathering Blue on the show. There was, And we didn't like it. We liked those. We just didn't like... The rest of the series. I didn't like Gathering Blue. Well, that's just because you're judgmental. There was a film made in 2008, which I looked this up, and it actually starring Saoirse Ronan and Bill Murray, who were like two like A-list celebrities. But the movie was kind of flat, apparently. It didn't do that well. Um, so they never made the sequels, obviously. But... Well, we'll have to find it and watch then. Yeah, we also said that we were going to watch all the other adaptations of and our... we failed. The only thing we watched was Twilight. You know, I'm a, that's okay with me. <laughs> well, I don't want to watch His Dark Materials until the final season comes out because I've already seen the first two seasons and I don't want to, like, rewatch the two of them and then feel like I have to rewatch when the third one comes out again, you know? Like, it makes sense just to wait until the third season is out and then... Yeah, we haven't watched the other ones, but we'll get there eventually. And back to the book, though. Asia, you can give us a summary of the first half of the book so far. 
Sure. And I'm just going to give a little warning that right now the radiator is going off a little bit. It's making a lot of noise. So in case you hear a tapping noise, just know that's what it is. And we do apologize for that. But jumping... Yeah, this is the problem of city living. We live in New York City, as longtime listeners know. And in some buildings in New York, you don't get to control your radiator. So Yeah, and I feel like a lot of buildings. But anyway, jumping into the summary, we are in the city of Ember, where students draw their job from a bag, a little bag, when they're 12 years old. And Lena, one of our main characters, gets a job in maintenance, and Dune, our other main character, gets messenger. So they end up swapping because they both want the other person's job, and they're both starting to realize that something is very wrong with the city. The lights are flashing constantly, the shelves are not stocked, and apparently some of the storerooms are actually empty. And no one knows how the generator that pretty much makes everything run no one no one knows how it works and lena stumbles across some old instructions which we know are from the founders of ember but she and dune are trying to decipher them and at the end of the last chapter we read lena's grandmother who is her sole caretaker passes away and so my impression was honestly it was very different from divergent and it was a very welcome change because you know if you listen to the previous episodes we did not <laughs> overall we did not enjoy the divergent series and we will probably never reread it so spoiler alert if you have not listened to those episodes yet but this is obviously very different because it's much more simple minded and clearly for a younger audience the kids are 12 we're back to kind of this the giver kind of environment like Charles already mentioned with the age and picking their jobs, except this one is they're given their jobs randomly. So it's almost to me even younger, like thinking of you're just assigned the job you do for the rest of your life based on literally pulling from a hat. But I am intrigued with what we've read so far and interested to find out more about this city of Ember because I do have a lot of questions, but most importantly, which we'll get into is this world that they live in, it is in complete darkness. According to this, they have no sun, like the sky is black and it's called the city of Ember because the whole city is lit up by light bulbs, so by artificial light. So already, I'm sure as listeners, I'm sure just like me, you have plenty of questions. But before we dive in, we have to get Charles's impressions. Yeah, mine were similar. It definitely does feel like it's for a slightly younger age demographic. And I was in enjoying it i remember liking alina and dune as a kid i and as i was also doing like my little research for the summary and the introduction to the series the character development for the two of them is credited as like one of the strongest parts of the series that they are both quite like relatable protagonists that are flawed but also enjoyable to read from so I like them, but because I know what's going on, at least in this book, there's no mystery for me. Like, I I know what's going on. I don't know exactly how it all resolves, but I'm, like, pretty sure I do. So I think that, like, because there's no mystery, it's not necessarily exciting for me. But I think that when we get to the next two books afterwards, when I don't know what's going on, I think that'll be better. And I agree. I'm just glad it's not divergent. 
yeah, those poor books. By the time we got to Allegiant, we were like, you can't write this anymore. Anyway, so let's dive in. So we should mention that we get a prologue, which is we basically found out the founders or the builders left instructions that they expected to be opened by this automatic box in 200, 220 years tops. Now, our story is taking place in approximately year 240, 200, year 241. So just to start off, that's a pretty big red flag that the founders expected the city to have gotten instructions from them 20 to 40 years ago. And the city is basically running behind by 20, 40 years. And I think that's like a good place to like set the tone for the reading. Yes. And as I already mentioned, the city is in complete darkness. So my first question, of course, is where is the sun? And my second thing, not a question, but a comment, is that I would not enjoy this place because I particularly hate the dark. I would even go as far to say that I am indeed afraid of the dark. So I could not live in a world with no, like, sun, no natural daylight. Like, I love the sun. I love natural light. Like, this sounds like an actual... He just sleeps in full lit room, so... I do not sleep in a full lit room. I have Christmas lights up in my room because if I have to wake up in the middle of the night and use the bathroom, I do not want to have to stumble out of bed to find the light switch and turn the lights on. I want to be able to just get up and go. It's pretty bright in her room. But yes, you would not like this world where apparently it can just be pitch dark when the street lights are off. I'm not going to tell you where the sun is because that's pretty integral to the plot of the book. But I'm impressed that you identified that problem quite quickly because definitely as a child, I was just, it, like, I knew that, like, oh, no, the lights are off. But, like, I wasn't thinking, like, also, like. What a sad, dumb child. Not even to think of the simple question <laughs> of where is the sun. I was suspending my disbelief quite well. But anyway. But anyway. I wanted to mention one more thing that I'll add that is not on this outline is that I'm just how we're talking about being darkness. I also wouldn't like it because like at 9 p.m. they just shut out the lights and you're just in darkness. And if you're not ready for bed, you have to get ready for bed in the dark. Like how terrible. You can get, turn on the lights in your house. You just can't turn on the street lights. No, Charles, based on what we read, like in the last chapter when jumping ahead a little bit when she, Lena is looking at the thing. Yes, when they the all lights go, to go bed out, at the, the same lights time. are out. Which maybe like in maybe in the earlier times it wasn't like that, but now that they have all the shortages, when the lights go out, like lights are out. Like you can't your lights don't work. Was my understanding of it. I didn't think that applied necessarily to houses, but I did but I did agree that like there's a frugality that they're going through that like when the lights are out, your light should be out. But like you can brush your teeth in that you can Turn on the light to brush your teeth. Well, based on... I'm going off of there was one scene where Lena stays up late to do something. And she said she was supposed to be watching the clock. But she forgot to watch the clock. And right when she finished, the lights went out. And she said she had to get dressed for bed in the dark. So based off of that, if she would have had the option to turn on the lights, I'm sure she would have. So I was, you know, assuming based off of that scene of events that they do not have control over their actual lights. Fair enough. Which, like we said, it could be because of specific circumstances with the shortage. Anyway, back to the outline. 
So like, so we find out that the 12 year olds have their assignment day. It's like on their last day of school, they have assignment day where, like I said, they literally pull their jobs like from a slip of paper in like a bag and it's completely random. And Lena mentions how, you know, not all jobs are available every year. And so like the job that you could have been wanting your whole life might not even be available because if they don't need a nurse or a messenger that year, then you can't even have that as an option. So this system to me is definitely worse than the giver because at least in the giver, like they had the council or whatever it was called, they would observe the children and see what their strengths were and then assign them based off of that. So you still don't have a choice. Whereas one good thing about Divergent is you had a choice about where your life went, but at least the giver, it had like, some thought gotten into it, whereas this is literally just random probability of what you could be doing for the rest of your life. Yeah. Like, it definitely shows that similarity to The Giver, but this is one of those moments where it feels to me like it's written for a younger audience, where, like, as a younger person, you might, it might not bother a child as much, that it's completely luck of the draw, that your, like, job... I mean, they say, like, if you if your job doesn't fit, you can get reassigned, but... Like, as a child, I think that that conflict of, like, eh, whatever you draw out of the hat, like, you probably more, a child is probably more willing to just, like, accept that and move on with the plot. Whereas for us, we're like, that sounds insane. Um, so I think that that's one of the moments where this definitely is drawn towards a younger age demographic. And at this point, we also find out that everything the city needs and uses is below the city in storage rooms, many of which seem to be have fewer and fewer things in them, but seem to be running low on things. And basically, we're starting to get the inklings that there's things wrong with the city in year 241. Also, I want to mention that we have these two protagonists. So we mentioned them before, Lena and Dune. And we alternate chapters from their perspectives. Lena is an orphan who lives with her grandmother and her baby sister, Poppy, and Dune is an only child living with his dad. And they were both friends before, but they ended up becoming estranged at some point. But they have now reconnected because when they draw their jobs on assignment day, Lena gets pipe worker and Dune draws messenger, which when the book begins, Lena is talking about how like her dream job is to be a messenger. And dune wants to like learn more about the city so they end up swapping jobs and so that's kind of how they reconnect because they both want each other's jobs and i've just got to say lena keeps saying how her dream job is to be messenger which we learn that the messengers are basically these people that just run around literally run run around town passing around people's messages and not like a not like a a post office worker, like a mailman, not like a mailman where you like deliver letters. No, somebody walks up and says, I want to send a message. They're like, I need to pick up, you need to pick up milk from the store. And then you're supposed to repeat the message. And then they run across town to tell the person you need to pick up milk from the store. So like a text message more. So you're a literally a walking text message is what the messengers are. So I was like Facebook messenger. That's what it is. Facebook messenger as a person. So I was like, and Lena describes it. She's like, you know, running just makes me feel free. And I was like, I can't imagine running around for 
eight to ten hours a day delivering random messages. That sounds literally awful. Like, your legs would be so tired. Like, I don't know. That does not sound like a dream job at all. Yeah, we've got some dauntless crossover. Yeah, it sounds horrible to me. I hate running. (laughs) But it's very, like, yeah, very dauntless. They, like, we just run because it's fun. And I'm like, how is this fun for you? (laughs) Yeah. And, again, this is something that I remember. It did bother me as a kid when I read this. And it bothered me now that they just swap their jobs. And it's totally fine. Now, I've thought about it since then. And my theory is that because it's completely random when you draw the bat name, the job out of the hat, no one cares anyway. So it doesn't matter. I guess that's how I justified it. But there's no explanation of that. And I'm like, seems kind of like a raw deal that some people can just trade. So for, yeah, when I first read it, for me, obviously, my first impression, I did. I was like, oh, that's weird that they are just able to switch and it's no big deal. And then I was like, well, since the jobs are random... It does kind of make sense that it wouldn't matter if you traded because it's not like they were assigned their jobs. It was completely random. Like, it would make sense that they shouldn't care. And also, as far as, like, in the system for, like, who got what job, it's not like, again, it's not like it was assigned. Like, they know that Dune is supposed to be the messenger, and if Dune doesn't show up for the messenger job, there's going to be an issue. They just know somebody's showing up for the messenger job. Doesn't matter who it is. So... The fact that I think it would be different if, like, they started their jobs and then tried to switch. But since they literally switched their literal slips of paper, I... And it seemed like no one took a record of what... No one took a record. The only people who would have known is the people who were in the room. And even, like, one of Lena's friends, like, they don't even really comment on it. So it's something that obviously is, like, possible. And once I, like, read it, like, my initial thought was, like, oh, that seems weird. But then I was, like... You know what? It totally makes sense that they'd be able to switch, like, and it shouldn't be an issue since the literal giving of jobs was completely random and there was no record. That's where I got to as well. So that was something that I did notice when I was a kid, for sure. But something I did not remember from when I read this as a kid is I did notice that we get mention of these believers And they seem to basically be religious people who congregate, and they seem to have some theory about, like, the universe. Lena, obviously, is not a believer. They keep talking to her, and she's like, no, thank you. But I don't know if it's going to be important at all down the line, but I was like, I definitely want to mention it in case it is important down the line, so I sound smart. I took note of the believers. Yeah, the believers, I definitely noticed them. I don't know. I don't know if this book is trying to criticize religion, but... Based on how they're described, they sound like crazy people to me, but... Oh, I like wouldn't they, even go that First of all, they're called the believers, and they're like... And even how Lena, like, looks at them, she's like... They seem, like, delusional. Like, I don't know, because she's like, they think that there's something else out there, and, like, the people who aren't believers are like, there's nothing but the city of Ember. Like, I don't know. It's not necessarily, like, a negative light, but it's definitely not a positive light. But as a kid, you probably wouldn't be paying attention to something like that as much. I mean, if if what we've gotten so far is basically all we get, then the, I don't really think it can be claimed to be, like, anti-religion because, like, it's not that aggressive. Yeah, now, if they start, like, really... you know, bullying people or harassing people because they're like, you need to believe that there's other things, like, then yes. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on it because there's the potential for it to be a really interesting plot point or it could just be that she was, like, mentioning different types of people in the society, which would also be perfectly fine. I don't know. I just feel like they... 
didn't she say like the the levers were like sitting in a circle like singing like i feel like that's always how they're mentioned like it's literally like i don't know again it's not a negative light but i'm definitely not singing as a positive (laughs) well especially when our main character lena is like yeah no thank you not interested that's because she just wants to be running running to her magical city she's a believer She's, I, I, yeah, okay, we're getting there. So the two kids, Lena and June, they're starting their jobs, you know, starting their adult life, you know, at 12. <laughs> and <laughs> Lena is fully adulting as well because her granny, who is, again, like I said, her sole caretaker because she is an orphan, is completely losing it. And I was like, this poor little girl, she's got a baby sister who is just a mess, and she's got a grandma who, Probably has some kind of dementia or something and completely losing it. But her grandmother does remember this story of a hidden box from when her grandfather, the grandmother's grandfather, so generations back, was mayor. And so she's looking for this hidden box, like, in their apartment. And... At this point, I can basically predict what I'm getting because, like, at the beginning, there's this magical box that, like, the builders left that we're finding out is connected to Lena's family because Lena's family was, I think it was, like, the seventh mayor who, the seventh mayor of the town, basically, he thought he got sick. So, like, let's say he had cancer or something. Like, he had a terminal disease that he was going to die. And he thought that in this hidden box there was going to be something that could heal him. But the box is, like, locked and, like, it could only be open, like, once it was, like, time passed or something. Like, when it was ready for it to be open. So he steals the box and, like, tries to open it. And, of course, he's unable to open it because it's probably some kind of magic. And he dies and it's still, like, in his apartment or house and it and doesn't so that's go back why, to the mayor's office. Like, it's supposed to be passed from mayor to mayor. And it's of, not because this man, this mayor died before he could tell the next mayor about it because he was essentially self, selfish. So we have this hidden box that's in Lena's apartment that her grandma is looking for because she remembers it. But Lena doesn't know what she's talking about because her grandma is also losing it. But anyway, so... That's kind of like the premise of the story. So it's clear that this box is going to be very important. They're likely going to find the box. And it's kind of all building up to, I'm assuming, Lena and Dune working together to explore into what they call the unknown regions, which is outside of the city. So this city is like this lit up little circle, I guess you could say. And then everything outside of it is just sheer darkness, which that doesn't sound like a nightmare to you. Um, I don't know. (laughs) What you'd be thinking, because imagine living somewhere where you cannot see, like, what's out there. That sounds terrifying. Like, there could be monsters. There could be literal demons out there, and they would have no idea. Like, this is giving me horror movie. And again, oh my goodness, here we go. We're back to Charles picking the horror books every single time. And what have I provided? No horror books, no horror, some terrible writing writing for sure, but no horror. No horror, but again, putting yourself in the perspective of the characters, they don't know any different. But yes. Okay, but last fine. thing, they like I said, it's setting up to go to the unknown regions because Lena throughout this has said there's some magical city where maybe the sun exists, but it's lit up in a different way. And she, I mean, it's it's 
sheer like child imagination but since this is some book she must be the chosen one and she's had this vision of where they're gonna end up that is what that is my prediction for how the book's gonna go or how the series maybe is gonna go well that's a pleasant theory i'm not gonna confirm or deny but we are also following dune at the same time we learn from dune that the generator which is a hydroelectric energy farm is breaking down and no one in town knows how to fix it. They're, they're basically like, uh, we kind of just like put the part back on when it falls off. And he's like, you think we need to know better since like the whole city runs on electricity. And they're like, we have no idea. So that's great. And at the same time, they also find out that the city is running out of light bulbs. And as Asia has mentioned like 15 times by now, there is no natural source of light. <laughs> So, if they run out of light bulbs, it's going to be bad news. And another horror aspect that Charles did not mention is, since the generator is breaking down, they have blackouts. And I'm sure most people in your lifetime have probably experienced a blackout. And the blackouts are a no for me. Because it's not like when you have a blackout, like, I guess, like, it's been a long time since I've been in a blackout. But... It's very scary, but imagine that the whole world goes dark, and it's in the middle of the day, and okay, no, no, no. the scary part is, because obviously the only time that it's really scary, I feel like, to have a blackout, like, in the normal world is when it's at nighttime, yeah, and it's terrifying. like you're awake, because obviously then it's actually dark, but if you have a blackout in the middle of the day, you have the sun, it's daylight, but they have, they could just be walking down the street, minding their business, <laughs> the lights go out, it's pitch black, you can't, and it's like literally, like they say, it's pitch black, like you can't see your hand in front of you, like you can't even imagine like what real, what real life is like anymore, <laughs> because you're blind, literally well, yeah, blind. Yeah, because again, there's truly no source of light then, during these blackouts, because. So, like I said, horror movie, like this is where the lights go out and all the monsters, like people start screaming because the monsters are eating people. <laughs> Pretty sure there are no monsters in this book. Well, hopefully not, because, again, otherwise we're reading horror books. But that was one thing about the lights. But also, we also, since everything's artificial light and they have all the light bulbs, they don't have any sort of movable light, as they call it, like a flashlight. They have no light source that can be moved, which is also why they no one's really explored the unknown regions, because the only crazy people who have gone out there have literally just been walking around in pitch dark. <laughs> or they've made darkness. torches that have burned them, and then they come back because they don't have light anymore. So, yeah, yeah they're just a mess, and yeah, they're going to have to get that fixed, and yeah, I'm just not a place I'd want to be. Yes, the blackouts are terrifying. I will that, especially because in our world, it's hard to imagine like a situation where you'd be completely without light because like even, you know, at night, like at least in my room, I get a lot of moonlight because of like where my windows are. So even at night when I have all the lights off, like there's light or you know, there's some level of light. And there's, like, the stars. Like, because even if we were, like, I guess out in nature, I mean, it'd be pretty dark, but, like, there'd still be the stars and, like, the moon. Yeah, and their sky is black. Like, what they see when they look up is black. As Lina, Lina, Lena, when she, um, when she draws the, her fanciful city, she's like, 
I'm going to make up a fun color that's completely not realistic to color in the sky. What about blue? Because That's not how it happens. She uses blue because she literally has one colored pencil, and it's blue, and she draws all the buildings, and then she fills in just the I sky. I know, but she says, like, that's not a real color for, like, with the... She's like, the sky is black. I know, the irony right there. I was like, the sky is blue. I don't know what world you're living in. Not a world I want to be. Well. A black sky. Absolutely not. Speaking of which, actually, this is a perfect segue. So the shortage of light bulbs also applies to other things because they don't make anything in the city of Ember. So the guy, Loopy, I believe that was his name, but he's fully extorting Lena, a 12-year-old girl, for some colored pencils. Like, he is fully, like, fleecing her. What is it, like, $5 for one pencil? Like, something crazy? And this is sort of what leads into Lena and Poppy finding the lockbox, the important box, and this is where sort of we get that connection that, like, Lena has mentioned that she has um, an ancient relative who was a mayor. And in the introduction, we get, or prologue, we get told that there was a mayor who sort of kept the box for himself and forgot to return it to the mayor's office. And therefore, the secret broke down. So it's nice that she has, like, you know, put those two pieces together now. And now we have all these partial instructions from the builders, Poppy ate them, <laughs> so they're all messed up. That was literally, I was Not like, of course she ate there. them. Of course. We finally get the instructions, and she ate them. Of course. Well, it would be way too easy. But Lena and Dune, they start deciphering the instructions because they're, like, best friends again now, and they think that there might be a secret door out of Ember, which is, like, pretty big revelation for some 12-year-olds. <laughs> Wait, I just want to back up for a second before we keep going. Because you said at the beginning of your little statement that they don't make anything in the city of Ember. Well, they make, they grow food, which also makes no sense with no sun. I guess they said they have greenhouses, but like, don't you need the sun? Some UV light for a greenhouse. How do they have a UV light with their... That's what I'm saying. I'm like, you can't actually grow things without UV light, but... But it says they make food. I know. Well, you know. I guess that's where it's like, as a child, you're not thinking about all the science of it because you're like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that's not. That's not scientific. And mostly, they eat things from cans. They grow some fresh vegetables, but they so mostly this is eat things clearly. This has got to be some sort of like post-apocalyptic, like safe house. That is where they are. There's no way that that's not what it is. Because if you're saying, if you've already mentioned, there's no. Well, I guess maybe you didn't say there's no magic. You said there's no monsters. I don't believe that there's any magic or monsters. So if there's no magic or monsters, nothing, then they can't nothing be Nothing that a- we've read so far leads to magic. Like the box, the only time you mentioned magic is about the box. And they pretty much say that they like programmed a lock to open in 220 years. Oh. So it's not magic. It's technology. Okay, so then, yeah. Well, I'll get into my final theory a little later. But, so, Lena and Dune kind of try to be super sleuths, and they go down to the Pipeworks location, down in the pipes, to go look at this door that Dune thinks is this possible door out of the city of Ember, but it's locked, and they end up having to go run and hide because someone else comes in, and this mystery person does have access. They have the key to get into the door because they go in and then they like rush out. 
And obviously, that's probably the biggest question of the reading is who's this person that they, I believe, that they describe as like walking funny, like almost like maybe I'm assuming they have like a limp or something like that. But this person goes into the door before they can figure out how to get in and then they like leave, but they don't, they only see them from behind. So we don't know who it is. And, you know, I obviously want to know because who is that? But only hint I'll ask for is, is it somebody we've met already? Yes. Okay, so it's got to be, if it's not, I'm assuming it's somebody from the mayor's office because... I don't really remember anyone walking funny, but then again, I, I'm not good at like paying attention to stuff like that when I'm reading. And this is why we did the podcast. Which is embarrassing because it's probably super obvious. Like they literally like this person has a wooden leg or this person limps and, and I missed it. Well, I'm not going to tell you who it is because that would be a spoiler. But at least, I mean, it's like we've always said, like it would be terrible if the person that's like has access to the door is some complete rando. That we've never met. Like, that would be bizarre writing. It has to be someone we've met before. But I'm assuming, because out of the characters we've, like, met, I think, also, because I think, I think that it would be somebody that we, like, met, we talked to, but, like, it's not a main, it's not, like, a major character. Like, it's not Dune's dad. Imagine if it was, because I don't even really remember what we talked about him with. I think it would be, if I had to guess just off the top of my head, I would think it was when... Lena goes to give, she has to give them a message to the mayor. She, like, talks to, like, a security guard. She talks to a couple different people. I'm assuming it's one of those people. But otherwise, I have no idea. Okay, well, I'm still not going to confirm or deny. But, but, you know, good on you for guessing, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's better that you don't spoil. Well, you can't spoil it for the show. But an unrelated thought is that I really don't like that Dune is, like, obsessed with bugs. He talks about how he, like... Like, I understand his, like, he ha- his hobby is, like... He likes to learn about things and, like, learn how to, like, take apart things and put things back together. But then he starts talking about how he likes, like, looking at bugs and, like, their structure. And I'm like, that's disgusting. You need a new hobby. That's nasty. And, like, there's this moment where, like, he's, like, has a bug on his arm. I'm going to throw up. And... He's looking at it, and then, like, the other pipe workers see him and, like, look at Bug Boy, and then he accidentally stands up and kills the bug. And I'm like, I guess that's kind of sad because he had, like, made a friend with his bug, (laughs) and then he kills it. But still, like, that's exactly why you need a new hobby. That's nasty. Yeah, I will agree. Dune definitely needs a better hobby than, like, also, like, he has, like like, a worm, and he's, like, tracking the worm's growth, and I'm like... That's weird, Dune. You gotta stop. Oh, so then, as we're, like, getting to the end of the reading, I just kind of, like, made a, like, mini list of some questions I had that I haven't asked already. Because, like I said, my impression was I just... It's the beginning of a series, so I have a lot of questions for what's going to happen. But... As you should. For this, my questions are mainly just about the setting, the plot of this whole book of, like, what is this? What is a city of Ember? And, like... For example, like, what is the time period of this? Like, is this supposed to be in the future? And it's, like, the last people of, like, the human race that are, like, left? Or is it some kind of, like I said before about maybe, like, a post-apocalyptic thing where, like, they've been put in this bunker? Or is it some kind of experiment? Like, how we just unfortunately read with Divergent where they were actually a social experiment and, like, there's other human beings watching them. I freaking hope not. 
I hope not. That'll annoy me so much. I feel much. like there's no way. It can be if Charles suggested this. But I've never finished the books. I guess. I don't know. I feel like I'm more leaning towards that I'm, based on how it was set up with, like, the builders, if anything, I'm thinking, if I had to guess right now off the top of my head, I would think that since the builders, like, set this up, I think that this is in the future, I guess, and it's, like, some kind of, like, bunker. They, like, put people in here to, like, save the human race, and they give them these instructions of, like, how to renew the human race. So it's not, like, an experiment where, like, there's other people watching them. Like, the people who put them in there are, like, dead. Like, they were like, this is our way of, like, saving humans, and we're starting them over. And they're in some kind of enclosed space, because, like we said, just like to give her, like, where's the sun? Like, if the sun, like... Because if the sun, like, died, like, the sun is a star, if it dies, like, can't, human life can't exist anymore on Earth because there's no sun and the Earth would, like, freeze over. So, like, obviously the sun isn't gone. And again, if we're not saying this is magic or anything, they didn't, like, make artificial sun. So it has to be something that, like, their reason why everything's dark is because they're inside. They are not outside. They're inside which my other question is, since there's no sun and they're inside, like, are there seasons in this city? Like, do they have snow? Do they have rain? Or it's just constantly, like, is it warm? Is it cold? Like, is there air conditioning? <laughs> it doesn't seem like there are seasons so far. Like, I I mean, I'm not going to spoil based on, like, what I know. But, like, from what we've read so far, I have no indication that there should be seasons. Because, but Lena mentioned something about like her grandma needed a new, a new coat. What was when she's like saying about? That's true. She does say her grandma. Needs she's a new saying coat. about buying the colored pencil. She says like, "Oh, I really need to get Granny a new coat. Like, there's holes in it. So obviously, it's cold enough that people need a coat. Is it always that cold? These are just all the questions. Like I said, I had lots of questions because we've been set up there in this city of darkness, and it's. Ultimately, yes. My biggest question is, what is this city? Why is it dark? I am leaning towards the futuristic, post-apocalyptic, save humanity kind of, or like, bunker thing as well. I don't, obviously, like I said, I, I, I don't even know how the series ends. And I know what happens at the end of this book, but if, like, I maybe know what happens in the first chapter of The People's Sparks, I don't really know what happens beyond this book. So, so you heard it here first. Charles has just confirmed that we will not be getting answers to all of our questions at the end of the book. We will be getting few answers probably. It's so a I will probably I mean, we're going to get some answers for sure, but I don't know. But all I'll of probably them. be frustrated in the next episode. Well, because I want all the answers right now. I, I don't know how to help you. I'm not going to, and I'm not even going to tell you the answers I know right now. Yeah, we know. No spoilers. No spoilers. This is a spoiler free zone. But anyway, we end our reading with Lena's granny dying in her sleep. So, yet another question. What's going to happen to Lena and Poppy now that they literally have no one to take care of them? Like, what happens to true, like, orphans? Like, Lena, is she technically an adult so she could get her own apartment and, like, take care of a baby? Like, I hope not, since she's 12. I mean, I hope not either. Or, like, can Lena be on her own, but Poppy has to be taken in by someone else and they get separated, like... I hope not either, because that would be terrible. They all sound like terrible options, unless they unless they have, like, a close friend who would be willing to take them in, but, like, I don't know. I'm curious to find out. 
yeah, I honestly, this is one of those minor details or like, maybe it's not minor, but like a detail that has not stuck with me over the years, but we will find out, I assume next chapter since, you know, granny just died. Yeah. But I think before, normally I ask Asia if there's anything else, but I'm going to skip that since she already left us with like about 150 bajillion questions. (laughs) So let's just finish up the reading. So if you do read along with us, go ahead and finish The City of Ember for next week. And as always, if you have predictions, theories, or questions, remember that you can stay in touch with us about anything on the Nerd Party website. You can just head over to nerdparty.com slash contact and select throwback paperback. You can send us an email there and get in touch with the network on Twitter at joinnerdparty or on Instagram at thenerdparty or facebook.com slash thenerdparty. And to find me, I'm at asiabony on Twitter. That's dead silent. And at asia.bonia on Instagram. That's relatively active. And to find me, I'm at ceshilin on Twitter. I don't even know how many followers I have or if I follow anyone, if I even have followers. But I'm very active on Instagram at seashells. And if you enjoyed the episode or any of the episodes or just the show in general, make sure you rate and review our podcast and share it with your friends, your family, your librarians, you know, anyone who likes books. And check out the other awesome podcasts that we have on the Nerd Party Network. And, of course, make sure you subscribe so that you'll miss us next week. Yes, hit that subscribe. And, as always, have a good one. We will see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.